in your very life. And that he is doing stuff to each of you that we, the congregation, including the, the pastoral staff, can gain and benefit and learn from. The body says that, or the, the word says that we are the body of Christ. Each of us is a, plays a role. Each of us has a part. And without each one of us, we can't do this thing because the Lord wants us all. So this morning, uh, just like every Sunday morning, we've invited somebody to come up and share a testimony about what the Lord is doing in their life. And this week, uh, it's Mr. Tony Wilson. So can we get a round of applause for him? Yeah, you keep giving a round of applause to the Lord because it's all about Jesus, right? It's all about Jesus Christ. And, you know, I remember when I first started coming to church here, uh, I, it was actually at another church. And I'm going to read this verse that brought me here, okay? It's in Isaiah 30, 21. It says, your ears will hear... Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. Okay, look, I was at a church, this is no joke, and I was worshiping the Lord, we were getting down, and all of a sudden I heard a voice say, what are you doing here? And so I looked back, and I kept thinking, okay, oh, it must just be me hearing things. He says, I told you two months ago, you were supposed to be at ESS Christ Fellowship, didn't I? I says, Hey, is this you? <laughs> well, okay. Okay, now, no, wait a minute. I, I'm, but I'm worshiping you right now. He says, I know, but this is your last day here. You be there like I ordered you. Do you understand me? I said, yes, Lord. Yeah, you know, I, what can I say? You're God. And so I share that with you right now because I'm here because God called me here. And I love being here. I really love being here. I really love greeting you. I really love giving you the bowl to say, welcome. Enjoy the service because Jesus Christ is in the house. And for me, it just helps me to know that I was being obedient. There's some of you, and I know I've, I, sometimes I, I, want, I, I think about it, I says, you're in the right place. Okay? You are in the right place. You may have a question about where you belong. Where is it that God wants me? He called you here. Guess what I know? He called me here. And I have so much joy. I have so much love for every one of you. I may not know every one of you personally, but I thank God that we're part of this church called ESS Christ Fellowship. When I told Pastor Johnny what it was God was doing in my life, he goes, Really? I said, yes, sir. He called me here. And I'll confirm it to you by what he told me. And when I told him the prophecy that God had given me, he says, how did you know that? I says, he told me. He told me, really, Pastor Johnny, God told me what to tell you. He says, then come on in. You belong here. And I know Pastor Draft from way back in the day, you know, and, I, you know, and we have been good friends for a long time. But I want to thank you for allowing me the privilege to be up here because God is really in control of your life. Let him be in control of your life. Let him help you. Let him guide you. Let him lead you. Let him direct you wherever it is you need to go because the teachings that we get here are so sound. They're so scriptural. And you need to understand that God is the one that's pouring it out from Pastor Alec. He's pouring it out from Pastor Beck. He's pouring it out from Pastor Apostle Johnny and Pastor Rick. God is doing that. And you're being fed. You're being nourished. You're not any malnourished Christian walking around with somebody beating you on the head with the Bible. You are here to be loved. I want you to know that. You are here to be loved. And God doesn't make mistakes. Amen? Praise the Lord. You got some little Mexican dude up there saying, Jesus loves you. Yeah, he does. 
Yeah, he does, okay? Praise the Lord. God bless you. Hey, give the Lord a hand praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. I'm telling you. Tony Wilson will be giving autographs in the back and taking pictures as well. <laughs> uh, that little boy packs a punch. Uh, for those of you that, that don't know, uh, the Lord is eager and willing. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing this morning, Lord. God, I love singing this song. Because it's a conversation that, uh, wow. I don't know if it's as much as a conversation as, as much as it is you saying something to us. You're saying something to us on a level that maybe we comprehend at the moment, maybe we don't. We come with all this baggage. We come with stuff. We come with, man, my day, my life, my circumstance. But what you're saying to us is come to me. The invitation is always there. The invitation is right in front of us. And Lord, you've given us an opportunity this morning to either accept the invitation, to step in, or to reject the invitation. There's no black and white. Excuse me, there's no gray area. There's, there's black and white with you, Father. You're either, we, excuse me, are either going to step into this moment right now and what you're doing, Father, or we're going to choose to run towards death. We're either going to choose life or choose death because, Father, you're the one who's taking care of the condition that you're in saying, come to me. My arms are wide open. And he would have his children know this morning, today, that he is beckoning you. He is calling you. He has a fervent, not only expectation, but desire to be close to you today, right now, in this building, in this room. And so, Father, we step in. But Lord, what we also ask for, as we always do on a Sunday morning, is we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to be in this room. To move us, Father, that the Spirit of God would be the one that gets, up a, gets us up out of our seat. That the Word of God is what takes us from being stagnant, Father, to running full speed. No personality, no opinion, but Father, just the Word of God and the Spirit that comes with it, Lord, we want it this morning. Father, we step in. You want to do something today, and we're going to listen for that. We are. We need you. We love you. God, be here in Jesus' name. We're coming to you because you're saying, come to me. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Can I just get just a Add more in the microphone. I kind of like to be loud and hear myself. You know, it's good. It's good. <laughs> you guys kind of know for the past couple weeks, I've had to hang on to that microphone right here. After a while, my shoulder starts cramping because I'm just not used to it. All right, but we uh, we finally found the uh, the headset, so it's good. Now I can get to doing all this stuff again. You guys can hear me. It's great. But thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, 
You guys have chosen to, to hang out with us. You could be anywhere today, but you decided to walk into this place. And I believe so much what Tony said and, and how he put that out here that uh, in his testimony that you're not here by chance. You're here for a reason. Um, you're here to, here to hear something that, to be honest with you, isn't going to come from me. It's going to come from the Word of God. That's what it's about. Um, the personality up front is just that. Just the personality. That's it. Um, and so... We are going to continue this morning in the book of Romans, and today is the second part of a two-part message that was Romans 8.28 through Romans 8.30. I preached Romans 8.28 last Sunday, slowed way down on this verse, and was able to look at this verse, pull some things out in the Greek, which gives us a better understanding of the content and context of what's being said. And I don't know about you guys, but I'll never look at that verse ever again the same way. Um, looking at that word purpose at the very end of the verse, that being prothesis in the Greek. And from that we get this interpretation, this definition of what that means is to, to, to be set before and to be in view of. Now Romans 8.28 from the top of that says this, and we know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. See, the back half of that verse, and those who are called according to his purpose, again, that word prothesis, purpose, to set before him, to be in view, and the third definition that came with that word was this, the showbread. And we got a chance to go back into uh, uh, Exodus 25, verse 30. And it shows us the purpose of the showbread. Showbread represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And this is when Israel had to rebuild. All right, And the Lord gave them instructions on how to do that. One of the things that they were supposed to set up within the tabernacle was this huge table of gold that could be moved. All right, You read that in Exodus 25, verse 30. At the end of that, it talks about this showbread being in the presence of God 24-7. So not only are we in our purpose supposed to be called, which is kletos, invited, to set before the Lord, to be in view of, but to be in His presence, ladies and gentlemen, 24-7. Being called is different than knowing your purpose. People always ask me, well, I don't know what my calling is. Well... To be honest with you, I don't know either. You need to talk to God on that. <laughs> but I know what your purpose is. Your purpose is to be in His presence 24-7 and to never step out of that. Because what does the Word say? They will know them by their fruit, right? You can just kind of sit back and watch. And not that we judge people. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But when you watch a person who is not in the presence of the Lord, there's fruit from that. When you watch somebody who is in the presence of the Lord, there is fruit from that. And to be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to say it again, there's no gray area, black or white. We're either in or not. Amen? Amen. So let me encourage you this morning that as we step more into verse 29 and verse 30 of chapter 8 in Romans, we really have to understand what got us to this point. But the back half of verse 28 helps as a springboard and a launching pad into verses 29 and 30. Now, I told you there's times where 
I'll reference predestination up here as something that has gotten the church off track. And I only get a chance to really hit on it for 30, 45 seconds, and then I have to get back to what the Lord said, hey, this is what needs to be preached today. Well, we see this word predestined in these next two verses. And I'm so happy that I get a chance to kind of slow down and just walk through these verses so that we get a healthy understanding of this. You know, somebody says to you in a day that, well, let me back up and, and, and present this just a little bit different. You guys heard me, hear me talk a lot about how Rick and my dad pour into me, pour into Beck. You have people in your life who pour into you. What if they make a comment saying, hey, you need to work on this? You need to work on something, right? Well, we can take that two different ways. We can simply just concentrate on being the thing that we need to get better at, right? Or we can have too much of our minds set on all of the things we're not supposed to do in order to be that. Does that make sense? We go to the negative side of things saying, um, if I'm, how do I say this? If I'm supposed to uh, be better at, uh, let's just say this, man, I'm going to throw it out there. If, if I'm supposed to get better at preaching, <laughs> standing up in front of you guys and, and uh, being able to regurgitate what the Lord has put in me in a week, what I should do is get flat on my face and get my face so far in the carpet that the only way that Christ would come out of me is that Christ is in me. Does that make sense? What I shouldn't do is spend all of this time doing other things that look Christ-like but aren't actually bringing me any closer to the Lord. The best, not the best, but another way I can, I can say it is when somebody says, don't think about the color purple, what do you do? Think about the color purple. We don't want to spend our time walking on eggshells doing things that we're not supposed to do to try to stay away from something that we know is bad for us. Here's, here's what I'm saying. Just do it. Just walk in the presence of the Lord. Just get in your word. Don't set up a time where from this time to this time it's going to happen. No, just, just, just get in it. Does that make sense this morning? So, I, I, I say all that to say this. It would be one thing for me to get up here and just take predestination and just cut the legs off from underneath it. Right? But you would walk out of here knowing more about predestination and not more about Christ's character. Right? It would be better for me to preach about Christ's character and for that to be the thing that is upheld this morning rather than trying to poke holes in something that is just a false doctrine. Because guess what? Do you know how many false doctrines are out there? <laughs> oh my gosh. We would spend all year talking about that. But let's talk about the truth this morning. Amen? You guys with me? Good. So these verses say this. If we get that up on the screen there. Verses 29 and 30. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become, become conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. 
And these whom he predestined, he also called. And though these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Amazing set of scripture. But it would be better for us to understand Christ's character first from Genesis to Revelation in order for us to put this verse in its correct context. You guys always hear me bring out the Greek because the English language does a horrible job of interpreting the word. It does. It just does. So if you get into the Greek, it gives you a little bit more of an understanding of what's going on. But like I said, the back half of verse 28 is a springboard into 29 and to 30. If my purpose, ladies and gentlemen, is to be in Christ's presence 24-7, do you think that being in his presence has anything to do with idle work? You think you're supposed to just sit? <laughs> Maybe, because he'll tell you that. But I guarantee, being in his presence, he's going to speak to his child. He's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to me. And he's going to say, I need you to go and do. I need you to take whatever it is that I put in you and let that come out of you. Does that make sense? We can't get to verse 29 and 30 without understanding that being in his presence doesn't mean just sitting. And I'm not picking on you, but you got your Starbucks, all right? But sitting with your Starbucks and just letting the Lord do what he wants to do. He's going to ask you to do something. That means the peace that you have is important. And I've said that before. Scripture has said that before. Why? Go back up from 18 to 25. All of creation, ladies and gentlemen, this is Scripture, interpreting Scripture, is groaning for you to be who you are. All of creation needs Kevin Moore to be Kevin Moore. Julie Richter to be Julie Richter because there's a peace that you have that cannot lay idle. There's a peace that you have that must be connected not only to all of the other pieces. We'll get to that. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. But your peace cannot be left out. So we get into verse 29. And again, we see this group of people. For those... Excuse me, I lose my place here. For those whom he foreknew. Now, this word foreknew in the Greek is prognosko, if I say that correctly. And it just means this to know beforehand. All right? We'll get to that. We'll, we'll get to that one second. But the fir, uh, one of the, the other definitions here that I believe gets a little bit misunderstood is it also means of those whom God elected to salvation. Right? So those who are kind of of the persuasion of predestination think that God knew you were going to come and sit here today. God knew the time when you were going to give your life to Christ. And God knew the people, the number of people who were going to give their life to Christ. I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, that doesn't sound like the God that I serve. Why? Because his character all over the, the Bible doesn't say that he forces anybody to do anything. You know what he does say? That he came to seek and save the lost. All of them. And guess what? If I'm weak and he's made strong in my weakness, when am I ever strong? Only when he's with me. So I'm always weak 
until I am with Christ. So I'm lost until Christ has found me. All creation is lost until Christ did what he did on the cross. So here, let me make this statement. Salvation, ladies and gentlemen, is for everybody. It's not just for me or for the people who are sitting in here. And then there's that person outside sitting on the, the sidewalk who God just decided to say, you know what? No, you can't because I didn't call you. That makes no sense whatsoever. But Christ's character is one, as we even touched on last, uh, last week, that, well, I think it was the week before, I'm sorry. We were talking about the Spirit interceding. Jesus has some disciples who were a little bit heated that Jesus wasn't accepted back into Jerusalem, so they wanted to call the Holy Spirit down fire and brimstone on them right away. This is in Matthew. Jesus rebukes them. Okay, I don't want to be rebuked by Jesus. That's a bad thing. And he says, do you not know where you're from? For I did not come to destroy men. I came to build them up. Right? All men, ladies and gentlemen. Not just a select few. So let me help you understand also the cross-reference is Jeremiah 1.5. And there's so many more cross-references that I've, uh, I'm going to bring to you today that aren't necessarily going to be in the bulletin or on the screen. So just make sure you write them down. But look at this. And this is the, this is the Lord God in the Old Testament speaking prophetically. And it says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. If you read in Galatians 1, verses 11 through 15, you see Paul defend his apostleship. And he basically says to the people, hey, look, before I was doing this, God called me. Before I was born, God called me. Excuse me, let me use the right terms. So if the Lord is saying that throughout Scripture that He knew you even when you were knitted together in your mother's womb. Okay, I'm throwing out all these cross-references for you. That the foreknowing, excuse me, the, 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 the definition of, of uh, prognosco, I'm going to probably say it 13 different ways every time I say it, so just get used to it. All right? um, to have knowledge of beforehand. The Psalm 139 verse 13 is uh, being known, excuse me, he knew you while you were knitted together in your mother's womb. This is what this is saying. Those who he foreknew, he knew you before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eye. That has nothing to do with knowing that you were selected to jump into heaven because for whatever reason you were just better than the person sitting next to you. No. He knows every hair on your head. <laughs> he knows what you go through in a day. He knows everything about his children. Do we understand that? Seems kind of like a duh statement, right? Well, good. I'm glad that it's simple. It should be. But we can so easily get off track when we don't know Christ's character. We can so easily get off track when we don't understand or spend time figuring out what kind of God we serve in his heart towards his children. Amen? But then we get to the big word. Oh, snap. Predestined. For those whom he foreknew, knew beforehand, 
He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. I'm going to stop right there with the comma. This word predestined, the definition of that word is predetermined. Okay? So let's take that back to foreknew. He predetermined what you were going to look like. He predetermined your personality, your character, the fact that he made you, Kayla, and then he broke the mold. Thank God. There's no other person in this city, nation, world like Kayla Booten. telling you. She will tell you, but she'll tell you on a plate of love. I just got to build you up. All right, build you up. But Jared, man, he determined what you were going to look like. He determined that stuff. He spent time on each and every one of us individually. So he, he predetermined, let's say this, your form. And guess what? Form follows function. He also predetermined your function. Again, form follows function. Are you guys with me this morning? Alright, so that word predetermined, or predestined means predetermined. Alright. He also predestined to become conformed. That word conformed, if you just simply get a, a, a Webster dictionary and look up what that means, it means to comply. It means to comply with the law, right? So if form follows function, and we look at the back half of verse 28, and he's saying that your purpose is to be in my presence, but not just to sit in my presence. I formed you, I predetermined the form that you are right now to function in a certain way that if we look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, I'm just going to use this real quick, the proper working of each individual part. I'm an individual part. You're an individual part. You guys over here are an individual part. You guys obviously heard Tony. Tony is an individual part. And I love his volume. I just love when he starts yelling. He could be yelling about anything. I don't care. I'm just, I just want to stand up. Just clap. Yeah, let's go. But each individual part, ladies and gentlemen, has a piece to play because he predetermined it to be that way. Does that make sense? Man, I hope this is, I hope this is uh, setting in here. He predestined us to be conformed to comply to what? What's the standard? To the image of his son. So again, ladies and gentlemen, your form has a function. And that function isn't just to be off in la-la land trying to figure out how to walk this Christian life by yourself and it's just you and God and all of that narrative that has to do with doing it on your own, solo Christian style. No, 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 no. Whoop, stop. Kick that out the door, all right? He predestined you, ladies and gentlemen, to look just like him. To look just like him. Now, if you didn't need me and I didn't need you, you'd be the only person on this earth. I'd be the only person on this earth. We got people walking around here thinking that they're the only person on this earth. And I'm not talking about people in this church, so don't, you know, look at me weird. But you, you guys understand what I'm saying? We need each other. But the, the, the end goal, the measure of the stature, all right, belongs to the fullness of Jesus Christ. 
the bar that's been set, you've been predetermined by your form and your function to connect and operate the proper working of each individual part to where at the end of your life, ladies and gentlemen, you will look just like Jesus Christ. That is all this verse is saying. So we can take that any other place that we want to. We want to. What we've heard of somebody else's opinion. But what does the scripture say about this? You look more at Christ's character, you get a better understanding of what this verse is trying to communicate. Amen? Predestined, predetermined to look just like him. I'll tell you what. If all the way back by Beck is the moment at which you accepted Christ into your life and here is heaven, which doesn't even... <laughs> it's a bad comparison. Let me just say that. But the, the point that you die, if this is the path, how many different ways could you get up to this table? A bunch. I mean, some that make sense, some that don't make sense whatsoever. I mean, just get up, walk down the aisle. It's that simple. That's what, that's what the Lord wants you to do. Take the path of least resistance, which is Him. Doesn't mean it's going to be fun, all right? Doesn't mean it's going to be fun. But it's the path straight to the throne. Or you can get up, take a left, turn right in pew number four, and then jog up, jog back, whatever. Do you understand that the Lord knows the outcome of every decision? The outcome of every path. But he does not know or predetermine for you what decision you're going to make. He leaves that up to you. Why? Why would he do that? Huh. Ladies and gentlemen, because he loves you. I just don't understand how love can get pitched out the window. Free will is the greatest love story ever one of, I can't say the greatest, one of the greatest love stories ever presented to the human race. Lord's not up there trying to force you to do anything. But he is saying this. I predetermined your form and I predetermined your function. There's a reason why it doesn't work when it doesn't work. But there's a reason why it works when it works. There's a reason why I called you to be in my presence. Excuse me. Your purpose is to be in my presence 24-7. And what you're called to while you're in his presence, he's going to speak that to you. What am I called to? To stand up here and try to do what I'm doing. Right? <laughs> I'm called to respond to the tap on my shoulder when I'm outside the building. And the Lord's saying, man, go talk to that person. If the Lord took from us this ability to choose and said that he knew when Aaron was going to give his life to Christ, then why go evangelize? Seriously, we got people in here who have a heart of evangelism. Why? If God already knew, then why do that? Why pray? Why talk to him? Because he knows what you're about to say. He knows how you're going to say it. He knows what's going to happen when you get done. That totally and completely separates us from a personal relationship with who Jesus is. And that's not, who, that's not who God is, ladies and gentlemen. We get to this verse, and I'm telling you, Romans 8.1 all the way up through 8.28, just, I mean, it's less potent. If he knew. He did foreknow, foreknew, 
um, what did I say, uh, to have knowledge of beforehand. But he's not up there as a puppeteer. Why? Because his character says so. You guys remember that little, uh, I don't know, exercise, if you want to call it, that I, I took you through where I said, hey, I want you to close your eyes. I want you to imagine yourself standing in the tomb where Jesus is laying there on the bed. And there's a power next to you that you cannot recognize, but it's in there with you. And you watch Jesus take his breath for the first time. And he gets up and he walks out of the tomb. He rolls that stone aside. And you know what he does? He stands in the tomb where there's light, you know, silhouetting him. He turns around and then he beckons you to come out of the tomb. He walked out. Why don't you walk out too? The power that raised Jesus from the dead sits like Beck was talking about behind your sternum right there. You know when you're knower. That's a writ comment. I don't even know what my knower is. But hey, when you know when you know her. But he turns around and he beckons us out. Kletos, meaning called in verse 28, is an invitation. You have to accept the invitation. The human condition that we looked at last week was that in order for things to work out for the good, man, we just just stay in his presence, right? What's the God condition? The title of this message. Supernatural selection, the God condition. We hear natural selection as something that is connected to what? Evolution? Right? Survival of the fittest? And to some degree that stuff is truth. Some of it is not. All right? But evolution can't solve origin. It can't solve the beginning. Right? It can't tell us where we came from. Only Christ can do that. I'm sorry, but I did not, my ancestor did, ancestors did not flop up out of the ocean, grow legs, and then all of a sudden here I am with curly hair and a beard. Right? <laughs> the way that the Lord put together the human body is phenomenal. It's phenomenal. He did it by design. He did it by design. talking about this the Lord beckoning you up out of the tomb and the invitation that he gives to us we have to accept that invitation we can also deny that invitation the next part speaks specifically about what he did on the cross after the comma he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among, among many brethren. What does that mean? Uh, it's referenced quite a bit in the Bible. But if you think about it, if salvation is for everybody, it's not just for a select few. Jesus Christ is not the first to die. But ladies and gentlemen, he's the first to raise from the dead. Right? He's the first to conquer death. So that's what that's, that is talking about. Being the firstborn among many brethren. Go back up into verse, uh, excuse me, the, the earlier verses of chapter 8 and we look at this word called adoption. When you accept Christ into your life, you're grafted in to the family. You're adopted. 
as a son and a daughter. And then all of creation is groaning for you to be that son and daughter, for you to be who you're supposed to be. Do you understand how all of this connects? To be the firstborn among many brethren, when those who do what's said in Romans 10, 9. Read it for you right quick. It says this, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Did he say he extended that invitation to a select few? No. He was beckoning you up out of the tomb. And because of what he did in the tomb, he gave access to the rest of the world. All mankind is on the status of what? Redeemed. We can either choose that or not. And once we do choose that, he becomes the firstborn, the firstborn among the dead in my life, the firstborn among many brethren. Does that, does that make sense? Okay? And those whom he predetermined, predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. If you could, with me, in your word, turn to Galatians. I don't have this up on the screen or in your uh, bulletin. But this is Galatians 1. Um, and it's 11 through 15. And here again, Paul defends his ministry. And this is uh, going to help us understand the latter part of this verse. Then we're going to have to close here. Getting to the end. It says, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. How I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in, in Judea, Judaism, uh, Judaism excuse me, beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen. Being more extremely zealous for any uh, ancestral traditions. But when God, here's verse 15, but when God who had set me apart even from my mother's womb and called me through his grace was pleased... Verse 16, to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Your form is going to follow your function. The Lord's going to call you forth. You have to accept that invitation. Paul even had to accept it. You know what happened to Paul? Boy, he got knocked off a horse, blinded for three days. He could have done two things in that. He could have ran. He could have said, oh, poor pitiful me. Or he could have listened to the revelation of Jesus Christ that was in him that we just got done reading. And now he's responsible for what? 80-some percent of the New Testament. Now you're thinking to me, oh, Alex, Pastor Square, this is Paul. What are you talking about? He's just on another level. If, he, if Paul walked in here, you wouldn't even be able to recognize him. This boy is not 6'5", 250, running a 4'4". You know, he's not doing it. He's just normal, normal Paul. But see, when you get called, your call is going to be specific to what the Lord put in you. 
And because of all of what we read in chapters 6 and 7 about sanctification and justification, those whom he called, he also justified through his death. And those whom he justified, he also glorified through his power. Chapter 8 is all about Christ's power, glorifying his power. You guys with me this morning? So if you walk out of here, walk out of here with anything, or walk out of here with this, as I trip over my words saying that. <laughs> if you walk out of here with anything, walk out of here with this. That he predetermined your form. He predetermined your function. And what it says in Ephesians, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, is that the proper working of each individual part will cause the growth of the body. So your function is to be in his presence and your function, it helps me. My function helps you because it was predetermined. He knew it before you even came about. You guys with me this morning? Amen. Let's get our, our worship team back up here today. Sorry I'm keeping you just a little late. Uh, and get ready for our offering. But as we look at verse 28, and we see this human condition, this human posture, you can look at verses 29 and 30 and see the God condition. That, ladies and gentlemen, He not only selected us, hear me when I say this, but we also have to select Him. He selected all mankind by dying on the cross. But what gospel do we select? Do we select the gospel? You guys can come up here. Do we select the gospel according to Alex? Do we select the gospel according to uh, what I went through today? <laughs> or the gospel according to Jesus Christ, who's resurrected from the dead <laughs> and did that on our behalf? I'm going to encourage you this morning that don't be quiet anymore. Your form and your function is to be vocal about Jesus. Not where you're walking around with a sign and a whistle saying, hey, you don't believe him, everybody's going to hell, who doesn't, alright? We're not talking about that. But what I'm going to be praying for is that the Lord brings up the chatter about Jesus in your life and you can't just be quiet about it anymore. You're going to be sitting next to some people at Starbucks and they're going to be talking and all of a sudden you hear the name Jesus. Then he's going to tap on your shoulder and say, hey, look, I created you for this moment. Can you kind of just speak up for me? You guys with me this morning? You're like, man, come on, pastor, don't pray for that. I got things to do. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you communicated to us and what's in there and how we can just see your character all throughout it. Father, I pray this morning that you would bless uh, the offering and bless the, uh, the hands that, that release the funds. Lord, it's all your money anyway. But Lord, it's a principle in the word that we are worshiping when we give. And so we want to give and we want to worship this morning and do it with a joyful heart. So Father, I pray that you would, you would bless what gets put in there um, so that we can bless you with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and pass that.
So if you guys want to stand to your feet as we close this morning. You know, the end of services, you know how those go at ESS. Uh, we just kind of try to figure out what the Lord's doing in this moment. Uh, and why don't you guys just pray with me as we, as we close. Father, there may be times where we choose not to be in your presence. And Lord, I pray that we, uh, that you show those times to us. And we're humble enough, Father, convicted enough to be able to say, Lord, I confess. I confess the times when I've just outright blatantly said, you know what, today's not a day. I got too much I got to do, Father. Because, Lord, you created us in a, in a, in a way <laughs> to connect not only with the Spirit, but to connect with each other. And, Lord, when we choose to step outside of that, we find ourselves trying to do things we weren't meant to do. We find ourselves thinking thoughts that we weren't meant to think. We find ourselves running down a road that we know does not lead to the throne, but somehow we've convinced ourselves that it's that's a good road. It's a good thought process. All the while, get to the end, Father, and it's just not. It's a dead end. Father, I pray this morning that you would convict us in that. That we walk from this place understanding that you're a God of love. And you're a God of invitation. What invitation are you giving us this morning to step into? Father, we pray for that. We need that. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Jerry, go ahead. Let's sing this and I'll, I'll close it with you. You're good. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for what today is. Thank you for what today could be. Because you loved us so much to, to allow us to choose you. Father, even though you chose us before we were even a twinkle. You chose us before we were born. To function in a way, Father, that is so closely connected to you. God, I pray that we walk from here uh, a changed people encouraged father lifted up edified but lord a, a, a people who would grab a hold of the truth grab a hold of the truth of who you are and your heart towards your children so father we love you we thank you we need you be with us in jesus name everybody said amen you guys are free to go